1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good morning and welcome to The Morning Bee. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a fantastic show planned for you. We're kicking things off with a story that's... (sighs) <sighs> too too common, if you ask me. But uh, these 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 young women decided to spend the holidays with one of their family members uh, who happens to be very homophobic. Uh, but what happened when that homophobic family member almost died at the family Christmas, and the way that these young women responded? might shock you. We're, we're kicking things off with that story in about 15 minutes from right now. It involves a couple of lesbians, Michaela, so it's right up your alley. Uh, lesbians! I, 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 actually, I actually have a kind of a similar story uh, that happened to me 15 years ago, and I lived in New York City that I'll share as well. Uh, and then a little bit later on, uh, it's a bad, bad week for Ivanka Trump and Don Jr. Uh, their dad just canceled his press conference for tomorrow, January 6th, the one-year anniversary of the insurrection, insurrection on Capitol Hill. Um, but Uh, They're facing some major, major legal battles right now. Also, who is Elizabeth Holmes? Why is everybody talking about her?
3: Oh, my God. Could we talk about this? Because I have no idea.
2: Well, if you look down the schedule and our, our format our uh, format for the day, Michaela, you're going to realize we are going to talk about it because uh, attorney Paula Canney is going to call us. Uh, and She's going to break it all down for us because I honestly don't understand at all. I just know she's bad and she's going to prison. Uh, but uh, Paula Candy joins us a little bit later on in the program uh, to discuss just that and the Trump's legal issues. Michaela, how's recovery coming along? You tried to go to the grocery store yesterday, I hear, and it didn't go as planned. What's going on?
3: You know what's so crazy? I was feeling okay, and I think health-wise, I feel fine, but brain fog and the fatigue and dizziness is unreal. I like feel it. I was at the grocery store and I felt like I was just going to tip over. So I, thankfully Lisa was driving. So we like got back in the car, but I've been talking to a lot of people and they said, even after you test negative, there's a couple of weeks where there's like brain fog, fatigue, dizziness, belly aches, and I'm feeling it. I cannot say it enough. I'm so thankful that I got vaccinated because I, This is crazy to me. I've never felt like this. Yeah, it
2: makes you wonder if uh, for those who are fully vaccinated and still getting COVID-19, whatever variant it may be, it makes you wonder if you weren't vaccinated, if it's bad now, how bad could it have been? Um, That's all
3: I've been thinking about. It's crazy.
2: So I'm also very grateful that uh, you are fully vaccinated, that you're testing negative and you're staying home just for this week, just to stay safe. Uh, We'll have you back here in studio hopefully next week. And I look forward to giving you a big hug, my first hug of 2022. Uh, So we have that on the horizon. Listen,
3: at this rate, (laughs) you're going to have to carry me around and I'll like it.
2: I'll never do that. Uh, Right now, though, it's time for news (laughs) on the beat. It's time for you to carry our show. Take it away.
3: All right. Well, the CDC has updated its guidance on recommended COVID nineteen isolation periods after criticism that the previous guidance announced just last week was confusing and incomplete. Now, the recommendations include a testing component, with the CDC urging people to take a rapid test near the end of their five day isolation. If the test is positive, the CDC recommends isolating for a total of ten days. If it's not, the CDC still recommends avoiding travel and being in places where mask use isn't possible for a total of ten days. The Testing recommendation it may be challenging since at-home rapid tests are in short supply. And um, Binax Now tests, a popular brand sold by Walmart and Kroger, actually saved my life, are going up in price. It's so wild. When we were looking for tests, at one point, they were just none to be found. I couldn't get my hands on any kind of test uh, for like two days. It was wild. Well, and then there were people... Want-
2: No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish.
3: No, I was just saying that people that were finding tests were like hoarding them, taking like 10, 11 at a time. They had to put a cap on it.
2: Well, at home tests are like the new toilet paper. Um. But it's, it is interesting, though, because with all of the record numbers we're hitting here in our country and globally, to be honest, with, the, with this Omicron variant, we're hitting those record numbers with so many people unavailable or unable to even get a test. So imagine how many people actually have COVID right now. That oh, yeah. just have not tested or cannot. I, I talked to my mom recently. And she's like, yeah, I've never taken a test before. She just has been avoiding people for two years. I'm like, Wait, you've <laughs> never taken a test, mom? God, like, gosh. what do you mean? She's like, I don't even know. How would you do that? I'm like mom just go she's like I don't know if they do that here and she's in Ohio and everybody has COVID people are dying from it and not getting tested I'm like mom come she's like I think I had it a few weeks ago I was pretty sick I'm like oh my god mom are you Pav. serious I've taken like 50 tests over the last two years like go oh get my yourself god. My, tested.
3: listen to me my nose it is so dry and crusty from all of the swabbing I've been doing the past two weeks it hates my nose hates me mm, but so I'm safe All right, let's get into a little weather. It's going to be a high of 72 in La Quinta, 73 in Cathedral City, a high of, come on, 43 in Cleveland, 43 in Baltimore, 55 in San Francisco, 75 in Houston, 61 in Vegas, and 70 in LA. Now give us a vibe of the day.
2: The life in front of you is far more important than the life behind you.
3: Ooh, Ooh I love that. All right, well, coming up, one homophobic grandmother may have changed her tune after these lesbians saved her life over the holidays. Find out how coming up next. Lesbian!
2: Welcome back to the morning beat now. You know, uh, yesterday I briefly mentioned Michaela that my partner and I as we plan our wedding we're, we've been told by so many people it's the most exciting time of your life. Enjoy the process. It's such a beautiful moment in in your in your relationship together. Uh, and as we're starting to get declines on our wedding invites from certain people in our families, uh, and not because of COVID, not because we're having a destination wedding, but because they can't support the marriage after, you know, nine years together, the homophobia is real. Uh, it's not easy to navigate. Thank God for therapy. Uh, but we're not the only ones to face this. You know, In our community, uh, we all face this to some degree throughout our lives. And one couple in particular uh, faced a very, very uh, heartbreaking situation over the holidays. A uh, couple of Lizzie's. And I said Lizzie's, not Leslies, just to be clear, <laughs> Michaela. Uh, but these two girlfriends, uh, they're, they're called the Twos because they're both named Lizzie. L-I-Z-Z. I love this. L-I-Z-Z-I-E and L-I-Z-Z-Y. But uh, Lizzie Bristow is, is the star of this story because... So, she, she loves her girlfriend's family. They've been together for a couple of years. Last year, they spent uh, the holidays together in a much smaller group because of COVID, and her girlfriend's 91-year-old grandmother, Dana, was not able to join because of COVID, of course, for safety concerns. Well, this year, they get together, a little bit larger group, and the grandmother does join, right? So, they're having a nice dinner. Uh, they make a steak. Fancy, right? I mean, they got some money. So, they're having a steak dinner for Christmas, and... Dana, the grandmother, just starts asking questions. Uh, she notices that uh, her granddaughter's girlfriend has short hair. So she says, oh, is she the boy? Um,
4: I and she hate
3: starts, that.
2: She starts making little, little comments. Uh, uh the, the, you know you know those comments they're kind of triggering they're always trying to figure yeah. out this, no different than in gay male relationships I remember my mom said well at least you're the boy right or the man when I first came out to her in a relationship and I said mom we're both men right Um, and then she started asking all these little questions and sort of nagging and eventually Lizzie her granddaughter said actually I'm the boy there it is so these under these undertones kind of continued throughout dinner well uh, the meal's sort of wrapping up Kind of finishing, getting ready to move on to dessert, and most of the family gets up, goes into the kitchen. While Lizzie, the girlfriend, and Dana, the grandmother, and the grandmother's uh, grandson, who's the other Lizzie, Lizzie number one, her older brother, they're still sitting at the table, right? And as this is happening, um, the grandmother starts to choke. She's eating a steak, she starts to choke. The grandson says, Grandma, Grandma, are you okay? Are you choking? Well, her face turns blue, the grandmother does, and uh, Lizzie, the girlfriend, says, does anybody know the Heimlich? She's like yelling throughout the house. Everybody comes running into into the dining room, and the grandson starts to do the Heimlich. Well, it turns out he doesn't really know what he's doing, but you know how men like to think they know how to do everything?
3: Of course, but lesbians know how, actually.
2: Well, she does actually know how, (laughs) because she's been a personal trainer for 11 years, and she runs her own company called Body by Daddy. Uh, And it's a business that creates fitness programs tailored specifically for the LGBTQ plus community. So part of that, and I used to be a trainer, means you have to be certified in CPR and first aid.
3: First of all, I love that it's called Body by Daddy because the (laughs) way that saying a woman is daddy, I used to call Daddy Lisa. uh, Well, I mean, I still do, but I feel like it made people uncomfortable. So I kind of pulled back. Um, But I love when women are like, they're daddy. It's okay.
2: she takes over and realizes the Heimlich isn't doing anything, right? We're already past that point. Um, and because the woman's not breathing anymore, okay? She's 91 years old. This is an old lady. Homophobic, but old, and also dying. So she tells them to call 911. The family's crying hysterically, standing over the body, and Lizzie, the girlfriend, starts administering chest compressions uh, to the chorus of the BG's 1977 disco song, "Staying Alive, by the way. That's what they teach oh you. Oh my you god,
3: learn, yes. You
2: gotta stay on beat, right? And she says, I'm over here giving chest compressions. She documents all of this on her TikTok, by the way. Uh, she says, I'm probably breaking this little old lady's ribs. Uh, this little old lady who is homophobic and doesn't even want me here at this, that, at this Christmas dinner. Well, uh she continues chest compressions and then all of a sudden wouldn't you know it a quarter sized piece of steak appears in the woman's mouth the father pulls the food out color comes back to Dana's Amen. face and she, and Lizzie says I feel like I just won the super bowl I just saved this woman's life who was making all these microaggressions towards me she's homophobic as all get out um but I saved her life and the old lady wouldn't you know it refused refused uh to be taken care of by uh the medics who showed up that night she said no I'm good Turns out all of her ribs are broken. Literally all of them. She's 91 years old. But that's what happens when you give compressions. But she's alive.
3: Yeah, what's crazy is, is that people will be so homophobic the same way. I feel like it's very similar to people that are like, I'm never getting vaxxed. And then they catch COVID. And then you're like, mm. okay, babe, like, come on. Um, but i run into this a lot. I will say, I don't really have a homo- homophobic family because I don't speak to mine, but Lisa is, uh, comes from a really strict Armenian family and they, especially in the very beginning, um, and like still are, but trying to get with it, uh, were, and I remember there was some small attempts when her, uh, dad was dying that it really sort of brought everybody together, including Lisa and even just my relationship. And they really took me in, but it's crazy how like, those are the big situations that have to happen. I mean, this grandmother will have to know for the rest of her life, a lesbian saved her a lesbian life.
2: lesbian saved her life.
3: That sounds like lesbian. a move. Sounds like a really movie. quickly.
2: Really quickly, because I teased it. I worked at a restaurant, a steak restaurant in New York City years ago near Carnegie Hall called Rue 57. If you're from New York, you know the restaurant. has got a red awning and it's been there forever. And I'm walking over to a table one night, crowded restaurant, and I've got a tray of martinis. And I see a crowd gathering around this table. And I look over and I realize that this this older woman is choking. Nobody knows what to do. I set down my tray of martinis. I grab her and I pull her to the end of like these banquettes that didn't have like an end cap on them. So I slide her to the end, literally lift up this woman's boobs. They were huge. And I get up under her and I start doing the Heimlich and I'm going and I'm going. There's a whole crowd around me and a big piece of unchewed steak falls out onto her plate. Everybody starts cheering. They go wild. I stand there for a moment thinking she might look at me. Her daughter might look at me. Somebody might say, thank you. Nobody says a word to me. I saved this lady's life. Nobody acknowledged me. I grabbed my two martinis. I dropped them off at my table, and I went about my way. I was livid. I was like, how many chances do you get to save someone's life? I want you to know my name.
3: I want you to know my name. She, well, she you didn't did care. It. Didn't care. I mean, that's just kinda of New York for you though. Like yeah, you literally save totally. someone's life. I you know what I saw the funniest meme yesterday and it was it was not a meme, it was a video. And it said how people fight in New York and there were two guys fighting in the subway station, and the guy punched him so hard that he actually landed on the tracks and he helped him back out of the tracks. He like punched him, then he helped him and then they shook hands and walked away. They were like literally beating <laughs> each other up, got him in the subway, thank God helped him get out, and then they were like All right, bye. And someone was like, that's how you fight in New York.
2: That's right. And you know what? Lizzie the lesbian, both one and number two, kudos to you. Homophobia, no more.
3: No more. All right, well, coming up, remember the reality star who sold farts in jars? Yes! She has so quickly retired, and you might be surprised why. Uh, It's a heart-stopping reason. Next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado
0: for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?
2: All right, welcome back to The Morning Beat. Now, if you're a fan of our show or a fan of the hit show, 90 Day Fiance, uh, you will also know that Michaela and our producer, Justin, are big fans as well. Now, I've never seen an episode, but the stories I hear of these people going on here to find love are wild. Not too wild compared to what some of them do after they leave the show, though. Uh, And one woman in particular has made all sorts of headlines. Her name is Stephanie Maddow. She's 31 years old now. We we talked about her recently uh, for a new business venture, but let's let her explain exactly what she's getting into.
6: I started selling farts about three weeks ago. And in addition to jarring my farts, I've also been selling videos of myself making the, the jarred farts, which has been extraordinarily popular, but I never ever expected it to take off the way that it
2: has. Oh, it took off all right. She was making $50,000 a week selling
3: her farts. major. What? Major. I, first of all, don't even know how she prepared her stomach to be able to create such fart magic, but I could never. Also, disgusting. Also,
2: disgusting, but there is an actual system to uh, a method to her madness. Uh, Let's listen to her continue on as she talks about her budding business.
6: And people are saying to me, oh, $1,000 for one jar of farts, that's so much money, that's such a rip-off, but I was offering a deal that was 50% off, and when you take into account the cost of shipping and handling, the amount of food that I have to eat in order to produce the farts, the amount of energy and exertion that goes into creating those farts, and the flower petals that go into the fart jars, which then capture the scent, and then also every single fart jar comes with a handwritten note that takes time it takes paper it takes ink it takes willpower it takes strength it takes time time equals money
2: not her trying to explain how much ink she uses writing the note to people to to explain why her fart in a jar cost a thousand dollars i mean this first woman first of
3: all um okay well i saw a video because you know, like curious minds were all insane. Somebody actually ordered a fart because they wanted to know if it actually smelled. There's this video where they ordered the fart from her, and it came in the mail, and they smell like they smell it live on air, and they were like dry heaving. So whatever Ugh. she's doing, no, was well, apparently working. Well,
2: yeah, it was working so much so that she made two hundred thousand dollars in sales in just under a month, right? However, brilliant sounds like a great business plan, but she's announced her retirement. Why? Well, she ended up in the hospital with chest
7: yeah.
3: in she the hospital, in the hospital with chest
2: pains because she feared uh, she was having a heart attack. She had to go under undergo a series of tests including blood work and an EKG and was told that her pain was the result of her steady diet of gas inducing beans and eggs. What? Is that
3: a real thing?
2: Yes, yes, it's a real thing.
3: I didn't know you could get
2: my my fiance was in the hospital for a week last year because he got so backed up from all the junk we were eating, and when we went home to see my family in Ohio, it's a real stomach problems are real. Um, and she got,
3: oh, I mean, I believe it, but I didn't think she could get like heart palpitations from it.
2: Well, she thought it was a heart attack, uh, but her body was just backed up and shutting down. Um, so she was advised to change her diet, obviously, and take a gas suppressant, uh, which effectively ended her business. This is wild to me, but also could have seen this coming a mile away. Um, she's a cute girl. Like, yeah. here's the thing about her. This is what works. This is what works for men. This is how men's brains work. Okay. Now, if you're super, 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 super smoking hot, they might admire you from afar or they might like act like they think they have a chance with you, but they know they really don't. She's pretty, right? She's like classic pretty. Uh, She's got some nice curves. There's nothing about her that's, that's unapproachable looking. She's not too overly done up. She's just classically pretty. And that's the sweet spot. That's the type of woman that men think, oh, I might have a chance with her. She's still a little bit out of my range, but i can reach it and and so they, but they but they reach it by buying her farts in a jar
3: what i mean i will say that maybe justin could get her i mean he has been um, having sexual contact with Gal Gadot for many years. So it, that is right, our
2: I don't Justin. Why,
1: why I, would you go there? That, are, I, that is not true.
2: I, or, or why would you Godot there? I mean, there's so many questions.
1: <laughs> Justin,
2: I do. It was, it, I, I will say this, Justin. I think it was one of our most iconic moments of 2021. You. It was uh, my favorite. You referencing that you thought you had a shot with Gal Gadot. wonderful I did
1: not say <laughs> I had a shot with Gal Gadot. You're a married man. I just said she's on, she's on the she's on the celebrity excuse list. You yeah. said you, you
3: said she could break a piece off yeah, you know that what break you, said. A you off. could a couple times a year would that ever happen absolutely not
2: <laughs> come on Justin. you
3: admitted that you could get she, gal she gal- says, gal- says gal- day
2: death. pass she says get out of jail free card exactly mine i have okay, a,
3: could you get
2: mine is michael b jordan there you go or JL. okay
3: justin yeah could, oh he's so gorgeous yeah okay could you get stephanie the fart seller
1: uh could i i mean i i I, I don't think I would that's want yes. to. That's, that's a, yes. a yes. He thinks so. He that believes it. Yes. He believes in himself. He believes that he can get far Listen, girl. I respect Are it. You going. I do too. The the old saying is true. Make him laugh. Make him breakfast. You
2: that know? is real. That make him laugh. Make him breakfast. You can make somebody laugh. You're going to be spending the night with them, and you're going to be waking up the next Are morning you making eggs. Me?
1: That's
3: the only reason Lisa's with me. I'm insane, oh, that I can that's... make her laugh long enough to stay with me. Yeah,
2: that tracks totally.
3: Yeah, well you can get uh, well you can't get farts anymore, Justin. If that's what you wanted, it's over. But, but also, isn't out.
2: there something else you can just pretend that it's coming from you and just put in there that it stinks really bad and people will still buy it? Like, is there sort of like with the Better Business oh, that's bureau that's a good idea. You know, like the Better Business Bureau will come after her and give her like a, a, an F rating if they found out. Like, is there is there any like logistically or like ethically is there anything wrong with doing that? I mean, ethically, yeah. But like, what if you're still making the money? Can anybody sue you? Like, how can you prove that somebody actually listen? Did what just they did? put a
3: couple. Just put a couple of eggs in there and call it a day.
2: To send wow. hard boiled eggs in the mail? Yeah. You're a genius. That would be
3: disgusting by the time it got there. <laughs>
2: Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for our first round of What's Poppin'? Michaela, take it away.
3: Okay, so this is interesting. Oprah Winfrey has broken her silence over celebrity physician Dr. Oz taking a run for a Senate seat. Now, Oz announced in November that he planned to run as a GOP candidate to succeed retiring Senator Pat Toomey. Now, Oprah is famously a Democrat, a Democratic supporter, having issued endorsements for former President Obama and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. In their White House bids, Oz found fame on the Oprah Winfrey show up until it ended its run in 2011. He has since hosted his own Dr. Oz show. Uh, but Winfrey was not exactly forthcoming with her support. One of the great things about our democracy is that every citizen can decide to run for public office, Oprah said. <clears throat> Dr. Oz has made that decision, and now it's up to the residents of Pennsylvania to decide who will represent them. I mean, she's not saying anything terrible, but I feel like she's not jumping on any couches in support for him yeah, that's uh, not
2: that's not a tom cruise on a couch moment that is not an at all
3: at all but i think he's uh i think he's so wish-washy he put a tweet out just last month that said it's time to stand up to the left and end the cancel culture mob that is destroying our country uh i mean i definitely hate cancel culture but i i don't think that that's like a yeah, but it's
2: but I just want to differentiate, though, because it's not necessarily always cancel culture, and it's not necessarily the left either. See, that's if my you point. Really yeah. want to, if you want to talk about cancel culture, it's conservatives who think we need to cancel everything because they can't understand everybody having a piece you know, a piece of the pie. They they can't understand everybody having a seat at the table. So they want to cancel things like the most inundated things that make no sense whatsoever. I mean, the right is trying to cancel Avril Lavigne for the song Skater Boy that came out 20 years ago. I mean, that's cancel culture. I think calling out inequity uh, it, when it comes to race and sexuality or any any number of social issues that's not canceling that me yeah that maybe that's canceling you know transphobia and bigotry and things like that sexism sure but that's not cancel culture that's bringing awareness so that we can all do a little bit better
3: Yeah I mean I think that also uh, the conservatives have not only stayed so uneducated with cancel culture, they still pick fun. I mean, we did a story yesterday about Lauren Boebert asking if the left was going to cancel Avril Lavigne uh, because she started singing her very famous <clears throat> song Skater Boy, and it's like, are these the fights we're really trying to fight? Like, this is the big deal. People are dying, and this is, like, the big thing that you care about. I mean, it's obvious Oprah doesn't support Dr. Oz. That has to be really interesting, though. Giving the man um <clears throat> Uh, an opportunity for visibility you know all the way up until 2011 and then he gets his own show and then he takes like a major turn it's just really interesting to see
2: I wonder about that because it's similar to like what executives at NBC might be feeling or Mark Burnett who gave you know Donald Trump his, his crack at The Apprentice and made him a household name in a way that was different than what he was prior to that and then they go on you know they use that sort of fame to go on and run for political office as a as a conservative uh, and, and sort of like turning their backs to those who gave them a hand up on the way up. It's interesting to me.
3: Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, well, coming up in our next hour, we're going to be talking to uh, Washington Post national correspondent uh, Philip Bump on January 6th committee ramping up and turning their eyes on one Fox News personality. We'll break it all down next.
2: Welcome back to The Morning Beat. We have a fantastic hour coming up for you. It's time for Red, White, and Q in about 15 minutes. And we're going to be joined by a correspondent uh, from The Washington Post. Uh, Philip Bump talking about the January 6th committee ramping up and turning their eyes on one Fox News personality. He's a big, big name. Uh, If he goes down, I can't imagine what happens over at Fox News. It's a huge story. We want to make sure we get it right. So we have an expert from the Washington Post joining us uh, in just a little bit to have that conversation. So stick around for Red, White, and Q here on the morning beat. Right now, though, it's time for news on the beat. Michaela, it's your time to shine.
3: All right, babe, well, Vogue has just honored the celebrity-lesbian couple of soccer stardom, Megan Rapinoe and her fiancé, Seattle Storm basketball player... Sue Bird as the first couple in their new celebrity romance column entitled I Want What They Have. The column seeks to examine celebrity couples that give us hope for our own romantic futures and trying to learn what we can from their well-documented bonds. Now Rapinoe, who led the U.S. women's national soccer team to win the 2019 World Cup, began dating Bird after they met at the 2016 Olympics. Bird then came out and revealed their relationship in 2017. The couple got engaged during their 2018 vacation in the caribbean their engagement compelled democratic president joe biden to congratulate them but as vogue notes one of the coolest things about rapino and bird is their mutual passion for activism Uh, so congratulations ladies we love to see that visibility all right, now the news. The CDC has updated its guidance on recommended COVID-19 isolation periods after criticism that the previous guidance announced just last week was confusing and incomplete. Now, the recommendations include a testing component with the CDC urging people to take a rapid test near the end of their five-day isolation. If the test is positive, the CDC recommends isolating for a total of 10 days. If it's not, the CDC still recommends avoiding travel and being in places where mask use isn't possible for a total of 10 days. The testing recommendation may be challen- uh, challenging since at-home rapid tests are in short supply. And Binax now tests, a popular brand sold by Walmart and Kroger, are going up in price. Some people are also worried about the rise of FluRona, a simultaneous infection of COVID-19 and the flu. While a few cases have been reported, experts say it's extremely rare. Not flu-rona. Not, not flu-rona.
2: flurona. I, listen, I got my booster two and a half weeks ago. Uh, yeah, two and a half weeks ago. I got the flu shot and the COVID booster at the same time. I'm also hearing the flu shot this year might not be that good at protecting against the flu, so that's really exciting. But uh, I got the shots. I, 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 listen, I'll take any shot at this point. If it means I can still go out to eat, I can still go to the, re- the restaurants I like and go out to... I, I just almost said go out to dinner. I almost said go out to eat three different times. That's the only thing apparently I enjoy doing is going out to eat. I, the I
3: hear that. I, the I hear that. I hear that, babe. I love that. All right. Uh, this is crazy. More than 340,000 students will be shut out of school today after a deadlock between the Chicago Teachers Union and the school district over COVID-19 safety, the most dramatic example yet of tension in U.S. schools amid the spread of the Omicron variant. Uh, last night, the Teachers Union voted to teach virtually rather than in classrooms, prompting district leadership to cancel school for today. The, t- the Chicago Teachers Union had an emergency meeting uh, yesterday night to have a vote by its delegates, uh, elected union leaders for individual schools, on virtual teaching and then poll its 25,000 members electronically. The vote was 73% in favor of the remote work-only job action. Uh, the teachers' union said conditions for in-person learning, which had resumed Monday, were unsafe, citing inadequate testing resources as new COVID-19 cases and new hospitalizations among children reached record highs. Okay, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 68 in LA, 61 in Vegas, 72 in Palm Springs, 30 in Kansas City, 77 in Miami, 66 in Phoenix, 54 in Atlanta, 41 in Buffalo, 55 in Sacramento, and 73 in Cathedral City. Now give us a vibe of the day.
2: I'm going to say this, Michaela Gordon. My fiance is from Atlanta, and uh, he wore a sweatshirt yesterday uh, that I, I think it's adorable, and it says the word Atlanta, and then it's crossed out, and it says Atlanta, A-T-L-A-N-N-A. Apparently, that's how you pronounce it if you're from Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh, excuse me. Atlanta. Not also, Okay. Also, don't call it Hotlanta, I learned very much a white people thing and so we should all stop doing that
3: okay great it's the like atl call california cali You're <laughs> yeah like, right no one calls it cali
2: i was gonna ask is, is atl acceptable atl is acceptable okay it's their airport code so i guess they're cool with that <laughs> uh here's your vibe of the day uh the life in front of you is far more important than the life behind you gosh if that's not the best bit of advice ever how often do you it. find yourself looking into the past and wondering if things could have could have been a little bit differently? Uh, don't do it. It's not worth your time.
3: Don't do it. All right. Well, coming up, we're joined. Um, a Washington Post national correspondent, Philip Bump, joins us here on The Morning Beat to talk about the January 6th committee ra- ramping up and turning their eyes on one Fox News personality coming up.
7: Welcome
2: back to The Morning Beat. It's time for another round of Red, White, and Q. We're joined today by Washington Post national correspondent Philip Bump as we approach the one-year anniversary of the January 6th insurrection on Capitol Hill. Uh, You know, this January 6th committee, uh, they've kind of been working behind the scenes for months now. We're not really sure exactly what's going on. People are getting impatient. Uh, The anniversary is here. We found out, though, this week that Fox News host Sean Hannity uh, was so concerned over former President Donald Trump's strategy and conduct before, during, and after the attack on Capitol Hill um, that there were correspondences taking place, and now this committee is is hoping uh, that he will now help them uh, sort of paint a, a better picture of what took place that day. What do you know? What do the American people need to know?
8: Yeah, that's exactly right. So we know that Sean Hannity, among many others, was in regular communication with uh, then-President Trump before and after the events of January 6th. Uh, beforehand, we just learned from uh, newly released messages that came out yesterday uh, that Hannity had sort of waved him away from this idea of, you know, trying to challenge the vote on January 6th, to sort of, you know, he was trying to send the, the then-President a message of, look, you lost this thing, move on. Uh, on January 6th itself, we had known for a couple of weeks that Hannity had reached out and suggested that Trump try and do more to try and tamp down on the violence as it was unfolding. And then afterward, we now know uh, with a um, messages, again, that were released yesterday that Hannity had reached out to Trump and said, essentially, look, stop talking about the election, just leave office and and be done with all of this. So so there was a lot of Hannity offering guidance, which we know he'd done for the entirety of Donald Trump's uh, presidency. We knew that they were in regular communication and that Hannity was essentially advising him. Uh, But it really does mean then uh, that Hannity could offer, because he he suggested that he'd been speaking to the White House legal team, that he'd been talking to others. That Hannity may have been a fairly big cog in this whole mechanism, and that's what the committee wants to find out: is who he talked to, what they said, far more probably than what he actually just said directly to Trump.
2: Now, now, go ahead.
3: I I just wanted to say the thing I remember the most uh, personally is when this was all happening and Melania Trump was in the White House allegedly doing a photo shoot. And honestly, I don't know if I hate that. I'm just kidding. I thought it was amazing. Um, But I know that while that was all happening, nobody's really taken it that serious. However, uh, Hannity did write. On January 5th, he was very worried for the next 48 hours. And now they're kind of bringing that into question. Why would he be concerned? Why would he say that? Has he talked about that? Uh, has that led to anything that may lead up to what will happen to him tomorrow?
8: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a totally fair question. I mean, that's one of the things I think that the committee wants to know is what were the sorts of things? What was the predicate for that statement? Who had he been talking to? I mean, I think everyone who was paying fairly close attention to what was going on, you know, if you asked me on January 5th of last year how I felt about the upcoming 48 hours, I similarly would have said, I'm not super excited about what's about to happen. I mean, it seems very clear Donald Trump is ramping up. All of these totally false allegations that the election had been stolen, encouraging people to come to Washington, saying it was going to be wild, holding this big rally. Like all of the factors were in place to have happened what actually happened, of course. And, you know, even someone like Sean Hannity can put those pieces together. Right. Uh, So there were lots of reasons. But of course, Sean Hannity was also talking to folks who were talking to Trump. And so the question is, he, like many close observers, understood that there was a danger there. But what else did he know? What else was he hearing? What was he hearing that Stephen Bannon was planning on doing? What was he hearing that Donald Trump's other allies were planning on doing that might have made him more likely to be worried than just an outside observer? This is all so
2: fascinating to me, and I've been following politics my entire life, and I've never seen anything quite like this. If you're just now joining us, uh, we're on the line now with the national correspondent from the Washington Post, Philip Bump, talking about uh, the Sean Hannity texts that have been uh, obtained by the January 6th committee and what could happen next as we approach the one-year anniversary of the insurrection on Capitol Hill. Now, i got to say this. Uh, it's it's, it's just—you look at— Republican, Democrat, independent, everything else aside, politics aside, right? Let's try to do that as impossible as it is. And I will be fully transparent. I'm a diehard Democrat, blue-blooded liberal, right? Progressive as they get. But you look at a situation over at CNN where Chris Cuomo uh, and the allegations that came out against him. Uh, first, the first allegations that he was helping his then governor, Andrew Cuomo, his brother uh, in New York state, right? And that comes out and hes he's out. He's out right away. You know, and then you look over here at Sean Hannity and we know we know this long history of behind closed doors support and and sort of almost like he's an advisor to Donald Trump in some way. He had his ear for years. Um, And the way that Fox News is handling this is very different than what CNN did. As an American, politics aside, party affiliation aside, uh, why should this precedent scare us? And what could be coming down the road if we allow this to
8: just go unchecked? So uh, a couple things. Uh, you raise a very, very good point. Uh, I, I will say that CNN did not immediately. <laughs> <To be> fair <laughs> not fair enough. Fair enough. Sure. It, it, took, it took them a little while to do so. You know, obviously, you know, he's anchoring the show that was fairly popular and they don't necessarily want to cut it off. But then they realized they had no choice if they wanted to retain any integrity as a journalistic institution. And that, of course, is the distinction that Fox News is not particularly worried about retaining integrity as a journalistic institution. Uh, it is an organization that has a very, very blurry line between uh, uh, opinion and news coverage. It has very little news coverage in its actual lineup. And Sean Hannity and Sean Hannity endorsed Donald Trump in 2016, and he's still on the air. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like the, you know, this is this is not no one. I mean, whatever you think about Chris Cuomo anyone who thinks that he is less journalistically sound than Sean Hannity has not been paying close attention. Sean Hannity is not a journalist, and, you know, he is someone who is essentially an activist who has an opinion show, and Fox News is quick to say that he has an opinion show. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's a much broader challenge that Fox News poses, you know, even just beyond Sean Hannity, which has, you know, I think become very apparent over the course of the past several years. Uh, but I I think that all of us are right in saying, hey, look, Chris Cuomo did this thing. And it was totally inappropriate for him to do so. Uh, and CNN you know, took action in response to it. And I think what it does is essentially tell us about the difference between CNN and
3: Fox. News. Um, we have just 30 seconds left. Philip, can you just give us a quick idea of what you think will happen uh, or what we can expect to happen next?
8: Well, the main thing I think that people need to be concerned about is timeline, that uh, Donald Trump's main effort here is to slow things down. If Republicans win the House this fall, which seems likely they're going to shut down this commission ASAP. Uh, So they need to finish their work sooner rather than later, which means they need as much testimony as they can possibly get from a lot of people who don't want to give it. And that's the real uphill fight. And I'm not sure how they win it.
3: Wow. Yep. Well, we Trusty appreciate time you to be an American. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for Red, White, and Q. Um, Washington Post national correspondent Philip Bump. Thank you very much for joining us, and have a great rest of your day.
8: Thank you, Tom. 2022.
2: <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> what a year it's been. We're now five days in.
7: Woo! I'm,
2: I'm already. I'm already exhausted. Exhausted. I'm over it. You know how most years you get to. That special moment right before the ball drops and you think to yourself, well, this is going to be my year. This is the year I turn it all around. I'm going to stick to my gym routine. I'm going to lose that extra 10 pounds. I'm going to read a book every single week. I'm going to do that and I'm going to learn things, right? Nah, not so much. However, uh, one of our favorite websites, Queerty, uh, did release uh, a list of some ideas. Uh, Now, this is a little bit geared towards, it feels like it's geared more towards gay men, uh, but they say seven New Year's resolutions for the queer community. So I'll just give them that. The first one they have on there, stop fetishizing straight men. That's that's a hard one. Wait, this what? Sort of like the for- fetishizing straight men. So this idea that gay men tend to meet straight guys and oh, they're so okay. fascinated mm-hmm. by it. And yes. it's like this forbidden fruit, right? Um and they're saying, we need to let that go in 2022. And I'm okay with that. I have a couple of straight crushes, um, but I don't really, I don't think I fetishize them. Do lesbians do that? Do you like, do you see like a straight woman? And you're like, Ooh, that's a challenge. I like that.
3: Uh, no, no, it like does not happen at all. Like they were like, Oh, that girl's hot. But I feel like I'm the exception. Cause I was like, hi, hello. But I feel like lesbians are like little hermits. They're just like, Oh, mm. she's pretty, but they'll never talk to her. Even if she's a, even if she's a raging lesbian, hitting on another lesbian they're still like am i being friend zoned right now it's a, it's a head game
2: <laughs> it's a head well, game. on a sim- on a similar note they say let somewhat effeminate straight guys be straight i kind of like that one let's stop i putting, love like, that expectations on gender also stop buying plants you've got enough they say oh that my very god true. the
3: shade is so real i know we started with two and now our whole living room i live in jumanji right now thank god lisa knows well, well, how to we- take care of them
2: Well, we slowly have been switching over to fake plants because we realized early on, like, oh, COVID, what can we do to make the air quality better? Let's get plants everywhere. So we started buying them, and then they all started dying. And every every couple of months, we'd return them to Home Depot because you can get free ones uh, within a year, I believe. And we cannot keep anything alive. So uh, I get that one. Um, Get off social media. Take a break from social media. Uh, and just give yourself a rest, and 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 also, if you are on social media, stop pretending you care about your nieces and nephews.
3: Okay, so this because... one's super interesting to me, though. <laughs> I feel like I could totally hear this because all I do is post my niece and nephew. But I post my niece because she's hysterical. Like if she sucked, mm. I wouldn't post her. But I think yeah, she's, she's a way star. funnier
2: than you. Sure, yeah, yeah.
3: And she's adorable. But, again,
2: but also, maybe you're using her to get some social media clout. No, don't do it.
3: Uh, yeah, I am. She could put a little work in. Okay, I've been working since I was five, so can she.
2: You know one of the things that I can't stand on social media when what? gay guys do this and they post with their nieces and nephews when they use hashtag Gunkle. Gunkle is the most offensive term to me. It drives me crazy. I hate it. I'm like, come on. Come on. We're trying to fight for equality, and we're just like everybody else, but we're going to call ourselves Gunkles. I'm not a Gunkle. I'm an uncle. I just happen to be gay. It's not called a gay marriage. It's called a marriage.
7: Yeah, Yeah, I I, I I know. People
3: think it's like affectionate. Well, this one really is so interesting to me and I kind of love the drag. Stop pretending all homophobes are secretly closet cases. (laughs) That's kind of real. I mean, just because they hate us doesn't mean they want to be us. I mean, most of the time they do, but sometimes people are just super hateful. And I think like that also has to just live there.
2: Yeah, sometimes they're just jerks. If you're just now joining us, we're talking about some uh, New Year's resolutions for the queer community. This coming from an article we found on Queerty, but I would rather, I'd like to make this a little personal, Michaela. Um, do you make New Year's resolutions? No. Okay, I don't think I knew that about you. Have you ever?
3: Um, I used to, but then I hated not being able to... First of all, the pressure of keeping New Year's resolutions just sucks. (laughs) And then my birthday is January 14th. So I'm like, okay, am I making resolutions again for this new year of my life? And then I was like, you know what? If I want to make changes, I'll do it in October. Whenever I
1: want.
2: I feel like New Year's resolutions are a crock. We went to the gym last night and it was so packed. Oh, and we were like, God. Okay, let's get out of here. This is too many people because everybody's everybody's New Year's resolution is to start going to the gym uh-huh. the Monday after New Year's mm-hmm. and they're all there for about two to three weeks and then they all fall off and then the gyms just collect their money. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And so I feel like I, I, I'm with you on that because I feel like you set yourself up for failure and why wait until New Year's Day or why wait until Monday or the first of the month or whatever it may be to like start something new? I think that's a really faulty mindset, and I'm I'm guilty of it just like anybody else. I'm always like, I'll start on Monday. I always say, after the holidays, I'll cut back on the on the crappy food and the drinking. And I told myself, I was like, do I have a drinking problem? I drank a little bit during this holiday season. Had Moscow mules every single night. Is that an issue? And I thought to myself, and I never made a resolution, but I said, you know, maybe I'm just going to drink a little bit less. Maybe I'll take January off. And then I found myself sitting at the bar at Katsuya the other night drinking a burning mandarin martini. And I thought, nope, this brings me so much joy. I love it. Um, So uh, dry January, not happening for me. Also, it's your birthday month. So like, how am I I not going to drink on your birthday month?
3: Yeah. Oh, you're drinking. I know. Dry January (laughs) sucks. I was like, okay, so I can't drink on my birthday. Also, just don't drink and get hammered all throughout the year. I feel like it's uh, all just like sober October. Like just don't drink when you don't want to drink and and drink when you do.
2: Unless sobriety is a real goal of yours, and we totally respect oh my God, that of and course, appreciate that, of course. In that case, but it's not for everybody. And, and I'm, an, I'm an adult; I'm 41 years old. So, uh, but we are going to actually be talking about this in Therapy Thursdays tomorrow. The idea of Dry January, uh, and if it's actually beneficial, or if it's just just a kind of a way to—is it a way just to reset? Is that okay, or does it set up? Uh, does it set you up for failure down the road? Because I, I feel like that's a lot of times what these resolutions do.
3: Yeah, I think so too. Too you, many expectations. You fall out, yeah, Yeah, you fall off
2: the bandwagon, then you feel so bad about yourself, you spiral into depression, you ended up doing the thing you didn't want to do twice
3: as much. Totally. Hate it. Mm. All right, coming up in What's Poppin', we finally now know what Betty White's touching final words were, and we have them for you coming up in What's Poppin'.
2: You're listening to The Morning Beat. It's time for another round of What's Poppin'. Now, Michaela, I know one thing about you for certain is that you love paying homage to your icons. We're talking Barbara and Fran, uh, Celine Cher. I mean, there's so the list goes on and on for you, right? Dolly Parton is right up there. Um, but there was there is one icon uh, that maybe over the years we haven't talked about enough, and I wish we would have. Uh, and we're learning more details about her passing. What do you have for us and what's popping?
3: Well, this is so beautiful. And if this is true, which I'm a thousand percent assuming it is, it's gorgeous. Uh, We've all been mourning the passing of actress Betty White. But new details surrounding her final moments have emerged. Um, Her assistant had actually been with her as Betty was passing And she said that her final words was just one very last word out of her mouth. And she said, Alan. And if you don't know who Alan is, It was her late husband uh, and password host, Alan Ludden. The pair married in 1963 and remained together until Ludden's death in 1981. And she had been asked why she'd never been married after Alan. And in an interview in 2011, she said, once you've had the best, who needs the rest? Uh. And I thought that was beautiful. She also uh, during an interview said, uh, what do you think that uh, Heaven would look like uh what do you want to be greeted with and she said i could see it saying come on in betty here's alan and uh so it was a mini i mean it gets me actually a little choked up Mm. it's so sweet i mean imagine also living without him since 1981 that's decades without the love of your life
2: let's put that into context what year were you born 88 He's been gone your entire life and then some. I was born in 1980 and I'm 41 years old. So for 40 years, she went on without the love of her life and lived like a, a a very, very like full exuberant life. And still the day she, the first thing, the last thing she's saying to come off her lips on her deathbed was her husband's name. That's just, that's not a love story, honey. I don't I know mean- what it is.
3: It's beautiful. I love it. I actually googled photos of them and they looked so happy, just in love. And um and that's got to be so great. Someone said um during the holidays, wow, uh, heaven must be lit this holiday season because it has so many people we love. And, I mean, imagine that's something really to think about. Just so many people we love that have passed on and now they get to be reunited. I just thought it was so sweet, well, so it's, good it, for Betty. It's
2: interesting. You know how we got this information? It's because Vicki Lawrence, uh, and, and who starred with Carol Burnett on the Carol Burnett Show years ago. Vicki Lawrence uh, also, uh, was Mama, Mama's Family was the show, I think. Um, oh, yeah. She texted Carol Burnett. And said, this is just so awful. And Carol Burnett says back, I heard from her assistant that her last word was Alan. And these two iconic comedians in their own right, uh, mourning the loss of their friend. I mean, it had to bring them such peace to hear that. These are Yes. All, it's a generation of comics and strong women who paved the way for, you know, comedians like you and others uh, oh a million
3: percent we would be i mean mm. please it's because of betty white that we have that women get to do what they love to do and so we adore yeah, there, her and i hope she's no, with alan
2: there's no amy poehler or tina Fey or no or tiffany haddish or anybody without betty no
3: white. absolutely no. absolutely um all right well coming up another iconic woman paula canny joins us on ivanka and don jr having a bad start to 2022 she breaks it all down next
2: Welcome back to The Morning Beat coming up this hour on the show. We're joined by our attorney, Paula Canney. Now, talking about all the trouble that Ivanka and Don Jr. are in right now. They're they're uh, not, not having a good week, uh, and it could get much, much worse. But could they be facing jail time? Is that even possible for the former First family? Also, Elizabeth Holmes, you might be asking, who is she? She's all over the news right now. Uh, and for not-so-good reasons. And Attorney Paula Candy is going to break down that story for us as well. Currently, though, it's time for News on the Beat. What do you got?
3: Okay, well, more than 340,000 students will be shut out of school today after a deadlock between the Chicago Teachers Union and the school district over COVID-19 safety, the most dramatic example yet of tension in U.S. schools amid the spread of the Omicron variant. On Tuesday night, the Teachers Union voted to teach virtually rather than in classrooms, prompting District leadership to cancel school for Wednesday. The Chicago Teachers Union had an emergency meeting Tuesday night. Uh, they had a vote by its delegates, elected union leaders for individual schools, on virtual teaching. And then poll its 25,000 members electronically. The vote was 73% in favor of the remote work-only job action, uh, the union tweeted. The teachers' union said conditions for in-person learning, which had resumed Monday, were unsafe, citing inadequate testing resources as new COVID-19 cases and new hospitalizations among children reached records.
2: This is wild. Wild. I mean, we, thought we it wasn't that long ago that we would just make little jokes about, oh, remember... the. the the pandemic like we're over it it's it's done how and many times
3: did i say when we were in the pandemic and you were like babe we're still in it but we were getting <laughs> back to sort listen, of normal
2: listen i was trying to take the heat for both of us it really was you it
3: was <laughs> <laughs> it was so me. Such an idiot. I was like, remember 25 years ago when we were in a pandemic and you were like, yeah, um, today. Right now, idiot. <laughs> okay, in other news, good news Vogue has just honored the celebrity uh, lesbian couple of soccer stardom, Megan Rapino and her fiance, uh, Seattle Storm basketball player Sue Bird, as the first couple in their new celebrity romance column entitled, I Want What They Have. The column seeks to examine celebrity couples that give us hope for our own romantic futures and trying to learn what we can from their well-documented bonds. Now, Rapinoe, who led the U.S. women's national soccer team to win the 2019 World Cup, began dating Bird after they met at the 2016 Olympics. Bird then came out and revealed their relationship in 2017. The couple got engaged during their 2018 vacation in the Caribbean island nation of Antigua. Their engagement compelled Democratic President Joe Biden to congratulate them uh but vogue notes one of the coolest things about Rapino and Bird is their mutual passion for activism and we love that so congratulations ladies so cool uh, love to see them being honored. Now, in other news, the CDC has updated its guidance on recommended COVID-19 isolation periods after criticism that the previous guidance announced just last week was confusing and incomplete. Now, the recommendations include a testing component with the CDC urging people to take a rapid test near the end of their five-day isolation. If the test is positive, the CDC recommends isolating for a total of 10 days. If it's not, the CDC still recommends avoiding travel and being in place. Cases where mask use is not possible for a total of 10 days. The testing recommendation may be challenging since at-home rapid tests are in short supply and Benax Now tests, a popular brand sold by Walmart and Kroger, are going up in price. Some people are also worried about the rise of Fluorona, a simultaneous infection of COVID-19, and the flu. While a few cases have been reported, experts say it is extremely rare.
2: This is the most frustrating part. And this is God bless scientists and doctors and, and these really, 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 really smart people for finding ways to protect us against this. Right. I love that.
3: Yeah. However,
2: they need to hire a better publicist. Yes. I feel like the CDC and the WHO, they're smart but they're kind of nerdy, and they're not great at communicating, and it gets really, really frustrating for people because we're just all lost. Listen to me.
3: I went to therapy yesterday, and I feel like I would have liked to invite the CDC to therapy with me to talk about our communication (laughs) skills because I have been – I have no idea what to do. Everybody knows I tested positive, but I was really, really, really sick. And then yesterday, uh, I'm feeling – kind of bad again i did test negative i took a test just to be sure but like how long do the symptoms it's just there's so much and nobody actually has an answer except for instagram
2: well yeah you're recording from home right now while i'm here in studio in in part because you tested negative but also i was like wait i don't i I don't know what's happening right now should she be here because i don't want to get it but also she's my friend and i don't want to like keep her away I know you're fine working from home. You low key kind well, of love it.
3: But honestly, I'm happy that I am because I I also am still having like belly ache and major fatigue. I was dizzy yesterday. I got up. It's been so interesting. These are not symptoms that I've ever had in my entire life. I've never been dizzy. Um, and I, I don't. It's just wild. You don't know wait, what to are do. Are you
2: saying never been? Dizzy or Ditsy? Which one did you say?
3: Um, I've never. Oh, Ditsy, honey, is my middle name. But the dizzy.
2: <laughs> you make me dizzy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm making myself nauseous this week. Uh, okay, let's get into a little weather. It's 73 in Cathedral City, 72 in La Quinta, a high of 34 in Chicago, 54 in Atlanta, 77 in Miami, 61 in Vegas, 70 in LA, and 45 in New York. Now give us a vibe of the day.
2: The life in front of you is far more important than the life behind you. Always move forward, people.
3: I love that. All right, coming up, Paula Canny joins us to talk about Ivanka and Don Jr. Having a pretty bad start to 2022. We've got those details next.
2: Welcome back to the morning beat. It's a bad, bad start to 2022 for the Trump family. But what sort of legal ramifications could they actually be facing as uh, the New York Attorney General's office issued subpoenas to Ivanka and Don Jr.? Uh, right now, we're joined by our attorney, Paula Canny to help us make sense of it all. Paula, how are you?
4: I'm great. Happy New Year. Happy New happy Year. Happy New Year. Well, not
2: so happy for the uh, Trump children. Uh, they're facing some legal issues right now. How serious is this?
4: Well, they've been facing legal issues, you know, since uh, Donald left office. This is pretty serious, but it's in the sort of whole context of how much bad stuff is going on for the Trump family. So the New York Attorney General served him with subpoenas. They want him to testify in the civil case that's investigating whether or not uh, Donald Trump and his organization lied about property valuations, but they're complaining about this because they're saying, hey, you also want to prosecute us, and we don't want to testify in a civil case because we will have to take the Fifth Amendment, and then we'll look badly, and we don't want to look badly, you know, so it's, it's, it's sort of gamesmanship because so far the New York attorney general has won all of the motions all the times the Trump people have tried to block subpoenas. The Supreme Court has upheld it twice. The Trumps have also sued the New York attorney general in, in an unprecedented filing in federal court saying, uh, you can't do this. You, you, can't, you can't investigate us. So, it, you know, it's all Trump madness, and it's all Trump obstructionism, and I think to me the interesting thing is, you know, there's no privilege between siblings, and when I talk about privilege, it's a legal term of art, so, you know, what a client says to an attorney is privilege, generally what a person says to their doctor is privileges, or to a therapist, but what a father says to a son, or a daughter says to a father, or a brother says to a sister, that's not legally protected speech, and so anything that was said to one another can be the subject of, they can be say, hey, what did your dad say to you? Mm. And so that's what they're trying to avoid. Hey, what did your dad say to you about lying, potentially, about these Property valuation, so it's a it's a big mess, and yes, they're in a bunch of trouble.
2: Oh wow!
4: Well,
3: I I guess for me, that's just got to be. I thought me and my dad had issues, like (laughs) woo. Okay, daddy issues for sure. Uh, well, what can we expect then going into tomorrow, if anything? Because I feel like it could go two ways, like. Sometimes we're all set up like this is going to be a humongous deal. They're really going to get the family this time. And then oftentimes I feel like it just kind of gets under the rug and then like nothing really happens. Um, Respectfully, maybe I don't know everything that's going on, but what
4: could we expect from tomorrow? That's a good point. Now, this is going to drag out for a while. So the judge is going to allow the attorney general's office to file a brief as to why the Trump's motion to quash Donnie and Ivanka's motion shouldn't be granted. And then the the AG's office will file a brief, and then the Trump kids will file their brief. So this issue about whether or not they have to abide by that subpoena at the trial court level won't even be resolved for probably a month. I mean legal time is super slow time. It's otherworldly how how much time, you know, it takes and how much effort will go into this, how much person hours will will go into this simple issue.
2: Mm. Well, it feels like and this has sort of been the MO of Don Senior, their mm-hmm. former president, that mm-hmm. they're just trying to stall and delay so that nothing ever happens republicans take over control of the congress again in 2022 and this all goes away if that were to happen do these issues in new york can that still can they still follow through on that even if democrats aren't in control of things are these completely separate issues
4: separate issues it's a state court investigation The injury was done to the state of New York in terms of not receiving proper uh, tax payments due to the fact that the Trump organization allegedly lied about valuation. So the state of New York was defrauded. So it it doesn't make any difference what happens in a national level. The only way that the state investigation would be derailed is if somehow all the Democrats got voted out of office and Republicans replace them, and just looking at the composition of the electorate in New York, I mean that's just not going to happen. Right. Oh, so it's just... no, it's gonna it's gonna keep going, and I doubt seriously that any federal court is going to enjoin is going to stop right. a state attorney general from investigating, you know, tax fraud in the state of New York.
2: Well, do you think? Okay, so it's really it's really interesting to me because we haven't really seen Ivanka and her dad interact. Really at all Mm -hmm. since he left office. Mm -hmm. And it feels like by all accounts, she sort of started to distance herself from him. She and Jared Kushner both. um, Do you think that in a situation like this, is Donald Trump going to step up and try to protect his daughter in any way, shape or form? Or do you think that Don is the type of guy who's going to say, listen, if you're going after my kids, better them than me?
4: Uh, I mean that's a that's an interesting point. I, I don't know. I mean, remember the other sort of thing going on between Ivanka and her father is the fact that there are reports to the congressional investigation investigating what is tomorrow's the one year re- uh, you know anniversary of the you know insurrection at the Capitol that there's testimony that Ivanka came in two times to her father on January 6, 2020, and said, you know, Dad, you need to stop this. You need to do something. You need to stop this. And so, uh, so there, I'm sure there is sort of discord there. I mean, the other thing that's so interesting about parent-child communication is think back to Monica Lewinsky. Okay Monica Lewinsky you know is a you know supposedly had the well had the sexual relationship with Bill Clinton when they investigated that they went to her to talk and she's like I'm not going to talk but how they got Monica Lewinsky to talk is they went to her mother mm. and they said What did Monica tell you? And then Monica felt so bad for her mother. She's like, forget it. I'll just talk to you. I don't want to put my mother in this horrible situation. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, that's super interesting. So, you know, would Ivanka, uh, you know, help her dad by taking the fall? I doubt it. Would Donnie you know, Donald Trump do something to protect his kids. I mean, it just seems sort of out of character that he would do anything to protect anybody other than himself. Mm. Well, uh, Paula Kenny, we want to continue talking
3: to you. We're going to switch gears uh, and talk about Elizabeth Holmes uh, and her guilty verdict. What exactly uh, is she looking at coming up next?
2: Welcome back to The Morning Beat. We're joined again by our attorney, Paula Caney. Paula, you know we love and adore you. Um,
4: I love you guys.
2: (laughs) We just had a really fantastic conversation uh, about Ivanka and Don Jr. If you missed that, go over to our podcast at wearechannelq.com. Download the Odyssey app and listen there. Right now, though, the the name on the tip of everybody's tongue is Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, And until recently, I wasn't really paying much attention. And I'm going to be honest, uh, as this trial played out, I was a little bit kind of confused about who she is, why she's in so much trouble. Uh, so, can you help make sense of it all for us?
4: Sure. So, Elizabeth Holmes is the ex is the ex Theranos CEO. She she's this person that was like the new Steve Jobs, the new tech Wonder Woman, the first woman, you know, tech. You know, leader. She wore black turtlenecks like Steve Jobs. She was 19. She was in Stanford. She dropped out of Stanford to start Theranos because she said that she had developed a technology that, with a pin prick of blood, you could do all these blood tests. So Theranos uh, and. and invented this thing called the nanotainer and the Edison and all these things had these super catchy names. And she was a really, you know, sort of a charismatic person. And she raised hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, Mm. mostly from Republicans, interestingly enough, Betsy Davos, uh, a lot of you know, uh, well-to-do Republicans. And so what happened is she raised all this money, but the problem is in the course of raising all this money, she wasn't truthful about what she was doing and what her technology could do. So the government charged her with wire fraud, making misrepresentations and, uh, and, and basically wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. She was charged with 11 crimes. It was a three-month trial, seven days of deliberations, and the jury returned uh, three not guilty verdicts, three hung jury, meaning they couldn't reach a verdict, and the rest are guilty. And so really what you take away from that is it's a huge win for the prosecution. Nobody's ever going to care that she was found not guilty of a couple charges. All people are going to remember is she was convicted of multiple counts of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. It's continued till next week to set maybe changes in her bail condition. And in federal court, the sentencing process is super complicated. There's all these, like, uh, the U.S. sentencing guidelines have all these, like, base-level offense, a base-level offense for a wire fraud is up to 33 months in prison, but she'll have all these enhancements because of the charges that she was convicted of. The loss is over $150 million, so when you take that much money, they add enhancements under the guidelines and stuff. So the maximum punishment per count is 20 years. Nobody is going to give her 80 years for the four that she was convicted of, okay? But uh, they are, she's going to look at substantial prison time. And then if you think about her life, I mean, all this fell apart in 2005 Uh, is when everybody realized it was all a big mess. And now, you know, she just had a little kid. She's got a five-month-old kid. I mean, if she gets five years in prison, it's it's just a horrible story. But it has a huge impact for here in the Silicon Valley about how people raise finances and what they can do, you know, what they can say to investors to raise money.
8: Mm -hmm. And so here
4: they're saying she lied.
8: Wow.
3: That's cra-
4: a, the story is just really mind-blowing I
3: I feel like I heard a, a lot about it um it's kind of really the uh such a waste I mean I don't know how she got away with all of this but clearly she was brilliant and it's too bad she uh
4: went this direction I mean what happens now well what happens now is it's just really tragic I mean it's sort of like you know it's almost like Icarus you know she's Flew too close to the sun. I mean, they all, many people just drank their own Kool Aid. And what's remarkable is that all these investors, like Betsy, you know, Devos, who's not one of my favorite people, you know, she was the education secretary under Trump. Her family uh, invested a bunch of money and lost a bunch of money. So, you know, uh, it's remarkable that nobody did their sort of due diligence because anybody all of the sort of venture capital people did not invest in this because they knew it was garbage.
2: Can I ask you a question on a personal level? Yeah. If she were a man, do you think she would have seen the same fate?
4: Well, that's a a good question. So I will answer that in that there were other remarkable things about this trial. She testified. In some ways, she helped her case, and then in other ways, she heard her case, but one aspect of her testimony is she has a co-defendant. The guy's name is Sonny Balwani. He, She met this guy, Sonny, uh, just when she was starting Theranos, and they became romantically involved. But she testified. He's about, 50, I, I guess he's 10 years older than her, and she testified that He was a mean and abusive, and some of what she did, she did because Sonny made her do it. And so Sonny is also a co-defendant. They were each charged with similar, the same crimes, the conspiracy to commit wire fraud, the wire fraud on investors, wire fraud on patients and the like. But Elizabeth Holmes' defense team moved to sever, that is, separate the case from Sonny. Sonny Belwani is scheduled to be prosecuted in about three months. So, I mean, his legal team watched all of her trial to see how the government was going to put, you know, that that case on. So they have a good idea what the government's going to do. So they probably learned a lot. So there's one of two courses that the the guy is going to take is he going to try and cut a deal now seeing how strong the prosecution evidence is or is he going to you know do the do the case but make a decision not to testify and they can't use elizabeth holmes testimony in her case against sunny because uh his defense team hasn't had the opportunity to cross-examine her
2: mm, wow yeah it's fascinating
4: well paula
3: we could talk about this forever but thank you so much for hitting the basics with us um i'm still obsessed with aj's question that's so true i didn't even think if it was a man would it have been looked at differently um but yeah. we thank you so much and we'll talk to you soon we'll talk to you happy new year take care Happy New Year. All right, well, coming up in What's Poppin', Jon Stewart accuses J.K. Rowling of anti-Semitic goblins and Harry Potter, and we'll discuss next.
2: Welcome back to The Morning Beat. More bad news for J.K. Rowling, the creator of the Harry Potter world, as the 20th year reunion is now available to stream on HBO Max. I can't wait to check it out this weekend, but she's very much not a part of it, even though she's still making money from it. Uh, but Michaela has another twist in this in this wrinkle uh, in what's popping. What do you have for us?
3: Well, John Stewart has accused author J.K. Rowling of dealing in anti-Semitic tropes in her Harry Potter franchise. While a Jewish organization did come to her defense, now the former Daily Show host called out the fantasy franchise's Goblin Banker characters as resembling Jewish caricatures. He talked about it on his podcast, The Problem with Jon Stewart. Take a listen. Here's
5: how you know Jews are still where they are. Talking to people, what I say is, have you ever seen a Harry Potter movie? And people are all like, I love the Harry Potter movies. Like, you ever see the scenes in Gringotts Bank? And they're like, I love the scenes of Green Bank. He's like, do you know what those folks that run the bank are? And they're like, what? And they're like, Jews. <laughs> and then the, I remember. I, and then that person says, no, goblins. <laughs> and then you go, you're like, do y- you hear le- yourself? Let me show you this from, uh, it's the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. I just want to show you a caricature. And they're like, oh, look at that. That's from Harry Potter. And you're like, no, yeah. that's a caricature of a Jew from an anti-Semitic piece of literature. JK Rowling was like, can we get these guys to run our bank? <laughs> And you're like, this is, it's its a wizarding world. It's a world where it's like. <laughs> you can like,
3: imagine anything.
5: The train station has a half a thing and no one yeah. can see it. And we can ride dragons and you've got a pet owl. And who runs sh- the bank? Who should run the bank? Uh, Jews. <laughs> and not you're only like, that. No, it's, I feel like she was like, why'd you make it so subtle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's re- like, yeah, they look like Jews. What if the teeth were sharper? And you're like, oh,
3: okay. <laughs>
2: Wow.
3: Um, it's interesting. Uh, however, Dave Rich, the director of policy at Jewish charity, the Community Security Trust, uh, told the Hollywood reporter, I don't believe J.K. Rowling is an anti-Semite or is responsible for creating anti-Semitic caricatures. There's nothing wrong in her record to suggest that she holds anti-Semitic views. Quite the opposite, in fact, that she has spoken out consistently and repeatedly in support of the Jewish community and against, against anti-Semitism when there was no need for her to do so. Consequently, I think in this case, her goblins are just goblins. Now, we could have a fascinating discussion about whether the traditional depictions of goblins in European culture have been subliminally uh, influenced by anti-semitic depiction of jews you could do the same for vampires but that doesn't make every goblin an anti-semitic caricature you know i haven't seen the movie so i don't want to speak on that but i am jewish harry potter no ever that's
2: the bigger issue there are eight of them you've never seen one of them
3: never never i read the two books in school but like i never got into it i went to harry potter world for a friend's birthday but like I, maybe it's my thing i don't know maybe i'll watch it tonight uh with lisa i've got time can't go anywhere <laughs> You'll watch
2: it there's eight um, of them they're like three hours long so have fun it's gonna be oh an great adventure. <laughs> great
3: oh i cannot wait well i have nowhere to go this weekend um but i will say and i don't like jk rowling uh, I don't see it as her being anti Semitic. I don't. I can see the picture of what's supposed to be the goblin. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't necessarily well, I think, see what John Stewart is I think saying. You bring up a
2: good point, though, and about the conversation about, okay, historically, uh, is there a conversation about how uh, Jewish characters have been depicted in, in European literature and, and film and television, things like that? There's a deeper conversation. And I think what happens sometimes is that. Um, because I see the similarities. I do see, and I have seen all the films. I, I, I can see what Jon Stewart is saying. I think, I think these conversations are more nuanced than most people want to admit. And I think a lot of things that are racist or sexist or homophobic or transphobic or anti-Semitic, they run a lot deeper than we realize. And so sometimes it's possible that J.K. Rowling uh, is using anti-Semitic tropes uh, in her characters. It's also possible that she did it on purpose, but it's also very possible that she she had no idea that she wasn't even aware of her own sort of bias and her sort of uh, misconceptions about a, a group of people. And I think that's I, mean, listen, I think that's real.
3: Having Jews handle money isn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I I don't I don't really see if I watch the movie maybe I can have a better idea um, and I see like the big nose the big ears like I get it um, but also my dad's Jewish needs are really big nose and so do all of my dad's sides so well, Michaela, maybe, I mean maybe I we have some
1: homework for you maybe you watch that at least the first half hour because you'll see Gringotts Bank in the first half hour of the first movie and you tell us what you okay. think tomorrow
3: okay I, will. <laughs> okay I will I totally will I will let you know because uh, it's an interesting conversation but again should she get cancelled for it I don't know we'll see Uh, Okay, coming up, not all of Gen Z may be as progressive as we think. Don't disappoint us now, Gen Z. We'll talk about it coming up.
2: Welcome back to The Morning Beat. We have a fantastic final hour coming up for you today here on the show. Uh, Gen Z might not be as progressive as uh, traditionally thought. Uh, We're going to tell you why in just a little bit. Also, we're going to be joined by... Uh, a correspondent from the Washington Post, Philip Bump, talking about uh, the January 6th committee ramping up and turning their eyes on Sean Hannity. Uh, could he be in real trouble for having those conversations this hour, so stick around. Currently, though, it's time for news on the beat. Michaela, what do you got?
3: Alright, honey, well, Vogue has just honored the celebrity lesbian couple of soccer stardom Megan Rapino and her fiancé Seattle Storm basketball player Sue Bird. As the first couple in their new celebrity romance column entitled I Want What They Have, the column seeks to examine celebrity couples that give us hope for our own romantic futures and trying to learn what we can from their well-documented bonds. Uh, Rapino, who led the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team to win the 2019 World Cup, began dating Bird after they met at the 2016 Olympics. Bird then came out and revealed their relationship in 2017. The couple got engaged during their 2018 vacation in the Caribbean Island. Their engagement compelled Democratic President Joe Biden to congratulate them but as vogue notes one of the coolest things about rapino and bird is their mutual passion for activism they were the first same-sex couple on the cover of espn's 2017 body issue in 2017 providing visibility to queer athletes All right. Another news. The CDC has updated its guidance on recommended COVID-19 isolation periods after criticism that the previous guidance announced just last week was confusing and incomplete. Now, the recommendations include a testing component with the CDC urging people to take a rapid test near the end of their five day isolation. If the test is positive, the CDC recommends isolating for a total of 10 days. If it's not, the CDC still recommends avoiding travel and being in places where mask use is is not possible for a total of 10 days the testing recommendation may be challenging since at-home rapid tests are in short supply and binax now tests a popular brand sold by walmart and kroger are going up in price some people are also worried about the rise of flurona a simultaneous infection of covid19 and the flu while a few cases have been reported experts say it's extremely rare Oh god. All right. In other news, more than 340 flu rona. It just kills me. oh my god, no pun intended. Uh okay, more than 340 40,000 students will be shut out of school Wednesday. After a deadlock between the Chicago Teachers Union and the school district over COVID nineteen safety, the most dramatic example yet of tension in U.S. schools amid the spread of the Omicron variant, on Tuesday night the teachers union voted to teach virtually rather than in classrooms, prompting district leadership to cancel shoots for uh, cancel cancel. What is wrong with me? Cancel school for Wednesday. The Chicago Teachers Union had an emergency meeting Tuesday night and had a vote by its delegates, elected union leaders for individual schools on virtual teaching and then poll its 25,000 members electronically. The vote was 73% in favor of the remote work-only job action the union tweeted. Okay, that last hour kind of took it out of me. Wow. Let's get into... (laughs) You,
2: You have COVID brain. It's okay.
3: I swear to God, I do. It's like brain fog. Okay, let's do some weather. 45 in New York, 68 in LA, 61 in Vegas, 73 in Palm Springs, 55 in San Francisco, 39 in Seattle, 34 in Chicago, 57 in Sacramento, 73 in Cathedral City, and 73 in La Quinta. Now give us a vibe of the day.
2: Here's your vibe. The life in front of you is far more important than the life behind you. Stay focused.
3: Stay focused, honey. That's perfect. All right, coming up, uh, not all of Gen Z may be as progressive as we think. No! We'll find out the story coming up next.
2: Welcome back to The Morning Beat. Now, Michaela, you know, a conversation we like to have here often um, is is it, always everything here sort of... It, revolves around equality, right? And oftentimes we're talking about equality for the like queer people or for our trans brothers and sisters uh, or equality for women. And I know that's near and dear to your heart and mine as well. I was raised by strong women. Our entire wedding party is going to be female. Our, our officiant is a female. Uh, women have really lifted my partner and I up our entire lives, uh, which is why this new study uh, coming out of the UK is very concerning. Uh, it was done by a charity organization called Hope Not Hate, Uh and the study is entitled Young People in the Time of COVID 19. Now, they surveyed over 2,016 to 24 year old uh, young boys uh, and found that half of the young men in this study believe that feminism has, quote, gone too far and makes it harder for men to succeed. Half. Now, oftentimes, we, we think of this next generation as being our saving grace. These young people are so incredible. They're all going to be raging liberals liberals, and, and progressive and, and fight for the, the rights of everyone, but not necessarily the case when it comes to this study. What do you think this is about? Like, What do you think it is about not just young men, but men in general that can't get over the idea that women are equal to men?
3: I think that it's... Oh, God, I don't want to get in trouble for saying this, so I I hope I say it right. But you know how we have, like, systemic racism? Like, I feel like we've got, like, systemic, like, um, misogyny. Like, I feel like even if young white kids grow up and they're 16 or they're 15, the same kids that are, you know, involved in white supremacy or don't even mean to be uh, because their parents are still sort of teaching that to them. Like there's still sort of this ingrained Thing that men are better than women and still should be the dominant and still, you know, I think that even people, I think even men, even gay men, subconsciously sometimes feel like men are still the dominant or the smarter or the better because that's just, it's been so enforced for so long. And I feel like the threat gets really, really, uh, scary, I guess. Um, and it's really sad because What it's doing is just, as these women are trying to move up and to level up, as women are being more honest about what they're comfortable and they're not comfortable with, as women are standing up for themselves and other women saying, you can't touch me like that, men are losing control. And instead of being like, oh, you're right, they're getting uh, vicious and vile and saying awful things. And and according to this article, some of the things that are said by this 15-year-old gamer kid, I can't even repeat.
2: It's it's just wild to me, and I, I, I always try to wrap my brain around this because, like I said, I was raised by women, and so I've always held women to like put them on a pedestal almost, and and never really thought of women as being less anything than men. Like maybe physically speaking, I guess if you're if you're going to simplify it that much, physically speaking, men are just by their stature more dominant, and I think that for a lot of people that's enough. They think that means bigger is better. Right. And that's sort of the mentality that humans have kind of carried since the beginning of time. Um, and I wonder how much of this sort of goes back to our, our early, early years. We're talking like we're going back to the hunters and the gatherers. Right. And and then here in the United States, settling the West and and surviving. And a lot of that did fall on men's shoulders because they're physically more more capable than women. But I don't understand why we put more value on that. It's just a different skill set. Men can't carry a child to term. They can't keep a child alive with their body. Like, those are superpowers and my – so I don't understand why we value one over the other.
3: Well, it's so funny, too, because I, I had a – Lisa and I had dinner a couple weeks ago with this business guy, and uh, we wanted to do business with him. And he's a little bit older, and he's um, – uh, you know, he's fine whatever, it was very successful. And so when we left I said to Lisa, Oh, that's interesting. Um he's really respectful. He's um I I feel like he's actually like Kind of like a, a stand up guy. He didn't, uh, he wasn't like weird or anything. And Lisa was like, why would you say that? Now, also, to be fair, Lisa and I have had different relationships with men in power. Um, for just various reasons, she, um, <clears throat> and I look very different. I'm, um, in the sense of that I'm just, uh, more feminine, uh, and I wear like heels. And so, you know, kind of just unfortunately, my experiences with men have been different than hers while she still had some of her own issues. Um, she said, but why would you say that? And in my experience, Having a really solid skill set, still sitting with men in any kind of power, they've oftentimes tried to like flirt with me or sleep with me or just give me the meeting and then try to like reroute. And it's sad that I walk away from a meeting or that most women do, going, "Oh, that's nice. He didn't flirt with me today. He's a stand-up guy." Like that. Yeah. Like that's, that's like the that's bar. Success. Right. Right. Yeah. You know. But that's really how it is, and I think that that, uh, and probably most of the women that get this is probably black women, when sitting in a room with men, like men are still often mansplaining and it's, it's really hard. I think I, you find men wanting to give women an opportunity. Not that it's up to them to give them an opportunity, but maybe they want to be different, but they still want to, like, mansplain or or still.
2: Well, but, but to your point, though, I think oftentimes it is up to the men to give women opportunities because going back to, like, how our society was founded. Let's just talk about the United States here, right? Like, much of our nation, the actual physical building of our nation was done on the backs of men oftentimes slaves, oftentimes, you know, Chinese immigrants or other immigrants, Italians, or wherever part of the country you're in, the story is a little bit different, but it's the same story, right? And then, but in that, in the infrastructure that was built, like at, at the foundational level, our nation was controlled by men from the beginning. They're the ones who fought in the war primarily. They're the ones who, who, who established these, these institutions, right? So you fast forward all these years, and they are the ones who unfortunately are still in positions of power. They set up our government, they did everything. So it all is set up to benefit them. So the idea of having one female senator out of a hundred or one female CEO out of, you know, a thousand or whatever the case may be, feels like a loss to men it feels like they're giving things up and they're just not willing to do
3: it. No, of course. And to your point, absolutely. I feel like it is really important that men with any kind of influence really stand up for women and give women an opportunity. But what we're also finding, and I think how I meant was, women aren't waiting for men to give them an opportunity. We're just going to make it ourselves. We'll just start our own camp. Do you know I think? That's where men, I, that's I think where women are, are starting to feel. I think that's where like the black community is feeling like we're not waiting anymore for these cis white men to be like, OK, we get it because they're quite fragile. And let me say, not all cis white men. I know some that are really absolutely incredible. And Justin, hey, hey,
2: I'm one of them. You
3: are. And so is Justin. <laughs> I seriously, sometimes you annoy me, Justin, but you you are overall really great. Right? Oh, thank you. And I think that <laughs> what kind of compliment is that? Sorry, Justin. <laughs> but it's I, fair. It's fair. I, and, and, you know, but I do. I, I think that these men just don't know what to do. And I think that with women now sort of taking the power and no longer asking for it or waiting for it. It's got people I, in yeah, a, I think it's a frenzy
2: in a in a kerfuffle. It threatens them. And I think the the back to the this survey. These young boys are being taught by their fathers, and that's that's the 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 thing that needs to be broken. That needs to change.
3: Yeah, I think it's just ingrained in them, and um, and that's really sad. And I just hope that the young women, but I have a lot of faith in young women. I don't see this young generation of women being like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, look at who ended up calling this brother out was the sister, Marie, uh, who we don't have her last name. And she said, this isn't right. I mean, the, all the things that she heard him saying, she had a huge problem with, brought it to her mom and it ended up making a national story on why this is wrong. So women aren't also just like sitting by and listening to it anymore, which, you know, I love. Tell me
2: Remember when 3D printing was this sort of like space aged, futuristic idea, Michaela? Yeah, I do. I feel like it's still that for you. I feel like you still don't fully understand what 3D printing is. Oh, I
3: don't know, not not anything. Lisa was telling me something about 3D. Lisa said, "I want to start eating healthier because I feel like I don't want to ever eat any like 3D food." And I was like, "Why would we? Why would we ever eat 3D food, Lisa?" <laughs> We're gonna Duh. be eating it.
4: We're
2: gonna be eating it very very soon, I think. But uh, Habitat for Humanity is very much into the 3D printed world because they just uh, gave one family the keys to their new 3D printed home. Just in time for Christmas. Uh, This was given to a a family in Virginia. This is really, really awesome. Um, They partnered with Alquist, which is a 3D printing company, uh, to begin the process. And the the company printed the house. It's 1,200 square feet with three bedrooms, two full bathrooms. It was built from concrete in just 12 hours. Typically, a house this size takes about four weeks. 12 hours. They built this house, Michaela Gordon. Can you even imagine that?
3: That's unbelievable and incredible.
2: I don't even understand it, but the, the the impact this could have on a global scale is just you can't even wrap your brain around how much good could be done with 3D printing. Uh, but this is a really, really fantastic uh, story. And there's a family that now has a home, April Stringfield. Um was able to purchase this house through the Habitat Homebuyer program, and she moved in with her 13-year-old son just in time for the holidays. She says that my son and I are so thankful. I always wanted to be a homeowner. It's like a dream come true. I still That's don't understand amazing. it, but I think it's incredible.
3: I think it's incredible, too. I love when we still don't really understand it, but it is really great, and you're like, yes, it's hours. awesome.
2: That's like you you can get up in the morning hit print and come home later that night, and you have a new house. I just don't understand yeah. it. I don't get it.
3: It's unbelievable. Okay. Well, this story is incredible. A journalist becomes the first person with traditional facial markings to present prime time news. Um, Orini Kaipara made history in New Zealand. Um, and Justin, I might get this wrong. Is it Maori face markings? Um, okay. So incredible. Uh, she hosted her first 6 p.m. Bulletin for News Hub. Um, and she said, I was really elated. I was over the moon. It's such a huge honor. I didn't even know how to deal with the emotions. Um, And it's really great. Now, if you see the photo, and I mean this very respectfully, like it could represent even like, well, on her arms, I think they look amazing. And then on her face, there's facial markings that um do they get it tattooed is that when they start getting Justin, i feel like you would just know all of this is that when they start
1: i i believe so I, unfortunately i don't i'm not up on my Maori uh t- tattooing skills
3: <laughs> why wow, you love jeopardy i thought you would know um, <laughs>
1: well, the way that your brain works, it's called COVID brain
3: fog, people. It really I'm dealing with it major. Uh, I think that's incredible though, because, you know, it goes back to the conversation with, you know, when we see little kids, uh, oftentimes black little kids have to like cut their dreads out or, or they can't wear braids. We've seen that happen in schools where things that literally are just part of your culture, that it's who you are, you are totally discriminated against. And I think that it's incredible. She said she hopes to inspire young girls She said for a long time, our people, our ancestors, and us now have done so much work to get where we are as a young woman, as a young Maori. What you do today influences and affects what happens tomorrow, and I want to create positive change. So I think that's amazing. Congratulations. Uh, Well, that's the end of our show today. As always, thank you so much for listening, and thank you to our guests. We have a great show for you tomorrow, Therapy Thursdays. We're talking the benefits of dry january or is it actually kind of problematic is it setting wrong expectations uh and
1: will
2: continue also also for therapy thursdays we're going to be talking to uh, our therapist as well as dry january about uh the mental health of it all you know we're we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the insurrection on january 6th last year uh and we've all been sort of coping with that uh so we're going to do a little bit of a check-in and see where we stand mentally
3: yeah, I love it. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you tomorrow.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.